Welcome, everybody, to the DC Tweet Team podcast. I am your host, Andy. Today, I'm privileged to say I have two amazing guests, the host of the Burgundy Zone podcast, Kyle, and my good friend, Ian Bacon. How are you, gentlemen? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for allowing me to come on again. And I'm glad that we were all three. Uh, we could link up for an episode. How are you, Ian? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for asking us to come on, Andy. And uh, good to chat to you again, Kyle. Oh, absolutely. Ian, it's been too long. Indeed. <laughs> right, guys, let's um, let's get into some uh, Washington talk. I nearly said the R word there. So very briefly, because we've all gone over this. Carl, how how have you settled into being called the uh, called Washington? How has it affected you across the pond? I spoke to a few people over there that they still call us Redskins. And uh, how have you settled into uh, your having to change yourself? It, it's been it's been rough, uh, especially you know doing a podcast. You know you know you're just trying to spit out these thoughts and these ideas, and and it's hard to kind of grasp the new name. Um, but it's slowly taking time. I mean, a sheriff I think talked to reporters today, um, and he, he even said the R word. Uh, so. It, <laughs> Every, everyone is struggling with it. You know, it's going to it's going to take time. You know, uh, this being a name that's been along for decades, you can't just flip the switch and expect everyone to be able to do it in a month. You know, it's going to take some time. Yeah, obviously, you and I have spoken. How's it gone down across uh, across the pond there sort of thing? Like with your circle of friends and how you seeing it portrayed in the media? Obviously, no one can say to you. I mean, I don't know if you ever got it, but I was like, oh, how do you feel about hosting a racist podcast? You know, I would listen but it's a bit racist, the name, so I don't listen to your show. Obviously, you know, how's, how's it gone down over uh, across the pond? Yeah, uh, over here, you know, it's, it's, I live in a, you know, a very uh, progressive area being DC and the surrounding area. So the, the name has always been a topic of concern, but it's not something that, you know, that fans over here that I'm friends with, it's not something that we were like, Oh, you know, we're not going to watch or listen anymore. It's just one of those things. It's like, okay, you know, it, it finally happened. We didn't think that this was, it was going to, but it did. And there's no reason to complain about it. It is what it is. It's, it's what's the reality of the situation is. Uh, but the hardest thing is trying to find a, like we said before, trying to find a nickname uh, for the team. It, it's hard to do. Yeah. I mean, Ian, what's your thoughts on that? How are you finding the, the name change? How have you got on with it? And like Carl says, it's hard. We haven't got a nickname. It was very easy to say, oh, how are the Redskins getting on? Or how, who are the Redskins playing this weekend? How are you finding it? Um, yeah, that's probably the hardest thing, the nickname, isn't it? Because um, it was so easy to say that you're a Skins fan or, or whatever, which I think is what most people um, uh, generally tended to, tended to say. Um, in terms of getting on with it, I mean, all the stuff I've got is is Redskins stuff, obviously. So I, I see it every, see it every day. So it's um, that's still very much in the forefront of my mind. But it's just getting used to saying. Um, the Washington um, football team, um, which which I think think we all do, and I personally quite like it actually. Um, but it's it's the nickname. What what do we what do we do with with that? What do we what do we come up with? So that's probably the the biggest stumbling block. I'd probably say at the moment. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned. Get I'm sitting here with my Jordan Reed uh, jersey on. Um, how are you guys, Carl? How what do you think of the new merch? Have you seen any of it? I mean, we're we're slowly getting some over here in the UK. NFL Europe have released a few bits. Um, yesterday, what do you think of the new merchandise that Washington are putting out? Uh, I only, I'm gonna be honest, I only liked one of the shirts, and that's because you know, me, I, I've always, I'm not usually a clothing type of guy, you know, I'm not going out buying new clothes. But the one thing that I do love is like the athletic type of shirts, you know, that that soft material that you could wear going out running or whatever have you. And I saw they came out with one of those shirts, and I really liked it. But besides that, you know, it, it's kind of lackluster, it's middle of a pack kind of stuff it doesn't really excite you and it's not supposed to um mm -hmm. i know that i know that the team executive terry bateman had said uh last week that maybe this could extend to being the name full time i just i just don't see it happening because it, it's just missing that pizzazz if that makes any sense yeah it's funny you should say that a lot of a lot of chats i've had over twitter and a few people have asked me to like mention it on podcasts and stuff ian do you think this is something that we could keep if the, if it goes down well i mean i'm i'm probably the same as kyle i don't i don't personally want us to keep it i mean don't get me wrong i don't want red wolves and for all these idiots out there saying that they want red wolves and oh my god let's kyle i know not to get you started on that but Ian, what do you um what do you think of maybe keeping this name people that people that are saying look do you know what they might actually keep this name um yeah i agree with um kyle it hasn't got much um much pizzazz um even though i've said that i, I do do quite like it i do think it is 
a better option than some out there. Um, uh, the the Red Bulls that you've just mentioned being one, and there was a bit of a uh, theme of where people wanted to stick the word red in front of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think they will come up um, with with something else and choose something else. And the good thing is that they're giving time for this process to take place because um, Coach Rivera was saying, you know, it could be an 18-month process. So it's good to see that they're not rush, rushing into it. Um, I probably will get um, something from, from the merch, a T-shirt or something, more of a collector's item than anything else, um, uh, to, just just to have in, in my locker, so, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they will go with um, a, a different name rather than just keeping it the... Um, uh, the the rather plain, if you like, uh, Washington football team. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's see what happens. But um, yeah, that's it. Done. No more name change talk. I want to talk football with you guys. Good. That's why we're hey, here. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, go for it, my friend. Um, right before we started recording, the Washington football team Twitter account uploaded uh, Landon Collins's helmet, getting the numbers put on Num- it. Number twenty. Yes, yeah, and I it, it looked great. It, and I honestly, I even made a comment that, you know, I would buy one for the show to be able to put on the show. I think that's the best product that they have come out with so far. Yeah, I literally just put that on my uh, Facebook. I shared it and just said, like, look, this looks good. Football season is literally around the corner now. And uh, yeah, I think, the helmet, I think they look great. I think they look really good. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it was literally, about, like Carl says, 10 minutes, 15 minutes before we started recording. They just literally just uploaded it. Cool. Um, Carl, very briefly, obviously, I've, I've seen a lot over social media the last few days. What do you think of all these players now testing positive for COVID-19? Literally, about four people messaged me this morning saying, Andy, we're not getting a football season. I still think we will. But do you think as more players test positive for COVID-19, are you starting to get slightly worried? Uh, actually, I'm the opposite. I'm actually getting more and more confident, um, especially with the Matt Stafford situation where it was a false positive. Mm-hmm. So as a society, I think we need to not freak out at the sight of every single positive test and kind of look at this logically and say, OK, well, there's multiple things that could be going on here. We have to wait this out. And, you know, just because they test positive doesn't mean that they're going to infect everyone else around them. They could have been taking precautions beforehand. So, you know, I, obviously there's going to be positive tests that are, are true. Um, but I think the NFL is doing a great job of trying to put those uh, firewalls in place so everyone can stay safe. And mo- a lot of people in the league are very healthy individuals. There's select people with obviously with some medical conditions that make them more susceptible to the coronavirus and possibly uh, fatality. But th- the fact is, I-, I think that it's what we have seen so far and how it's gradually building. I think the season is going down, um, and I think that there is going to be a little bit more positive tests, but I just we just can't freak out at every sight of one. There's going, there's going to be some false positives. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we're still getting it over here, like certain football players slash soccer players. They're, they're still testing positive. And like you say, I mean, they've only got a so it's very It's very minimal. You know, you've got to self-quarantine for the 14 days, and if they do that and, you know, they're ready to go come September, I don't personally see the football season not starting we may get issues when it starts i'm praying that we don't but for me i think come september against the eagles we'll be good to go um moving on football talk uh gentlemen has uh saw a good uh little snippet with santana moss this week um about how their spoon food uh spoon spoon feeding the playbook to um haskins at the minute um, how do you think he? How do you think his mindset is now? With uh, obviously they're giving him a little bit of the playbook. Do you think he's not worried? Is probably the wrong word, but obviously you've got Carl Allen there who probably knows his playbook inside out. Alex Smith probably knows it very well. Do you think Haskins is now thinking he's under a little bit more pressure to step it up? We all know he's going to start. He's going to be the main man. But Carl, what do you think? Coming to you first, what do you think? Do you think he'll be under a little bit more pressure now to impress come game one? Yeah, and I think you're 100% right. There, He is under a lot of pressure now, and a lot of that has been directed by Ron Rivera because Ron Rivera made a point to say he wanted him to have the kind of pressure on him that Cam had, where you're the number one pick, you're held to a certain standard, and, and Ron has said multiple times, Dwayne has done everything that I asked. I talked about him early on in the offseason, and my opinion, that was showcase yourself as a leader, lead by example, um, work hard, and uh, do everything you need to to be able to get yourself on the field. And it doesn't matter who they bring in at quarterback around you. If you do that, you will be the starter based on your talent, 
um, and who you are as a person. So I, I, a lot of people view pressure as a negative. Um, but, you know, I like to think back to the RG3 2012 slogan where pressure creates diamonds. Um, and it's true because, look, it, it, motivation is what drives society, in my opinion. And if Haskins is motivated to ensure himself as a starter on this team, it's going to do nothing but bring success to the Washington football team. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, hopefully he thrives on the uh, pressure. Ian, what do you think? Do you think that Do you think that this might have given Kyle Allen a little bit more hope? He might be thinking, I know this playbook already. You can throw anything at me. I 100% know this playbook. I mean, what's your take on it, my friend? Well, you could say there's pressure on him as well, couldn't you? Because he should know it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so he should be expected to, to perform if he needs to. But but going back to um, uh, to, to Haskins, um, I completely agree with what you say, Kyle. If you're in if you're in that position, um, that the QB of a an NFL team, you should expect to have that pressure because you're the one who's seen by the eyes of everyone to, to lead the team. Um, and if you're not willing to take that pressure. Um, on, on your shoulders like a man, then, you, you know, you, you shouldn't be the number one QB for the team. It's as simple as that, really. So I, th- I think um, Dwayne will have been um, expecting it. I think it's only natural that he's going to be slightly behind um, Kyle Allen because, as we, as we know, Kyle, Kyle knows it. Um, and, you know, competitive pressure is, is only good, good for, for everyone. So if they're all showing that they know the playbook and that they can... Um, they can deliver the goods. Ultimately, that's a nice, nice headache for um, for Coach Rivera. Yeah, I think I think as an organisation, it's what we need. You know what I mean? The last, like you say, well, since we've all definitely been supporting, and we haven't seen greatness. But as an organisation, I want our coach to be putting pressure on our players. I want him to be saying, right, come the last game in January against Philly. That's not going to be our last game. We're going to carry on playing after this. You know what I mean? I think as a, as an organisation, we've kind of got into that. Maybe even it's got into the players, the ex-coaches. We've kind of got into that mentality of like, oh, well, we might win five or six games if we're lucky. But, you know, we're not expecting much. Now under Coach Rivera, I think expectation expectation has risen. Would you agree, Carl? Uh, absolutely. And that is what, you know, uh, that is what this team has needed. You know, I was a, a Jay Gruden mark, but his one fault was that he was too relaxed. He was too much of a player's coach. And you look at all the best coaches in the NFL, they kind of have a, a balancing act with being the authoritarian, but also being friendly and caring uh, for the players. And I think what goes on top of it, the reason why it works for Ron Rivera, when we interviewed Morgan Moses on the podcast um, a couple months ago, he talked about how he lost his father early in early April. And the first person to contact him was Ron Rivera. And so that immediate emotional connection is what kind of gives credence to when you bring pressure. You know, you can't just bring pressure and bring a fake person and not care about the person. They're not going to want to work for you. But if they think that you have their best interests in mind and you're pressuring them to get better, it's not going it, it's only going to bring great things. And the fact that Ron Rivera has brought that attitude to this organization, I've said this many times, I think it's more valuable than Chase Young in my opinion because this is the one aspect, the one identity the Washington football team has missed. Um, ever since the early 90s, that kind of dog, um, we just want to come onto the field and we want to punch you in the face and beat, and beat you into the ground and then go home and have dinner. Um, and so that's, I, I really hope, and I'm glad that that is being brought into the, uh, into the facility. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, you've only got to look around at uh, who he's got as well. You know, he's got Jack Del Rio, Scott Turner, you know what I mean? I don't think these guys are going to take go for second best. I mean, what's your thoughts on it, Ian? Do you think it's, you know, the, 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 like you say, it's a good thing that the pressure's on us. But as an organisation, I think this is something we've needed for years. Oh, without doubt. An absolute shot in the arms, What what's needed. And I could probably relate that to being needed to my soccer team over here at the moment. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, who got who got relegated, may I just quickly yeah, add? We'll edit that bit <laughs> out. Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely what you what the um what the organization needed that kind of lead leader um and and his coaches um all being leaders as well to to drive the team and yeah i absolutely love that um love that that you know philly away is not our last game of the season that's absolutely the way they've got to look at it because if you if you look at a season going oh you can sneak a win here and sneak a win there then well you'll end up a three and 13 team yeah um, definitely yeah 100 <laughs> percent 
Um, and and just going on um, what Carl just said about about um, coaches as well, when he, he reached out to, to Morgan Moses, what, what really um, summed him up to me was, um, and I'm sure you've all seen it, but when um, the cameras followed him just after he joined us, um, and he was doing all the all the press in Miami at the mm-hmm. uh, at the Super Bowl. He came across Chris, um, and the first thing he said to Christian McCaffrey after he sort of said hello to him was, "How's your mum and dad?" Yeah, and that just spoke absolute volumes to me about the man. Absolute yeah. volumes. Yeah, um, humility costs nothing in this world. I mean, and something like seeing that a player like that, it definitely does go a lot. He's even in in my book. I mean, I've coached soccer over here, and if you know, if you can see that in a player, you know they're a good person. They're a good person off the field. And you can get them working on the field. It can only be it can only benefit us as an organization, I think. So um, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I watched. Uh, you know, I was a big Michael Jordan fan growing up, uh, and just you know greatness and that superstar mentality. And I recently uh, last week I was able to finally watch the Last Dance through and through. And one of the biggest quotes that I took away from that was Michael said, you know, the reason why I'm so hard on these guys in practice, the reason why I push them so hard is because I know what the, what's going to happen in the playoffs. And if you cannot keep up with me at practice, you can't keep up with the other team in the playoffs. And I think that speaks so much to what Ron Rivera is bringing here, because when you look back to Jay Gruden and, you know, Club J that the practices were in lackluster, it mm-hmm. kind of shows the competitive level that the team wasn't playing at. It kind of shows why they were so bad for so long. So that kind of mentality is is so important to this franchise. Yeah, you've only got to like watch programs like America's Game with the Patriots. Yeah. And you watch them on the practice field, you think, my God, this is how they practice. No wonder they're so good. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? This is how, and like you say, we had Jay Gruden, who probably, like, from what I saw, obviously we only saw what was, you know, online, and it was just like it was just like they were not that they weren't trying, but it just looked like you know they had the music out blaring, everyone's dancing around, and this was like after a loss. And let's be honest, near the end of his tenure, we had a lot of them. So come Monday yeah. morning, could you imagine Bill Belichick letting his players just stand on the field and having a little dance, a chat, and a laugh? It'd probably get them running fifty laps before they even put their pads on. Yeah, and like, and you kind of feel bad because you know all the injuries that Jay had during his tenure here. It kind of forced him to have that lackluster practice because they couldn't afford to go hard at practice and risk another injury. So they had to be lackluster. But you know, it, it was kind of it's just personality based, in my opinion. And it was more about it was more about looking good and getting good yardage more than it was about creating men and creating and bringing championships in my opinion it it was jay was more of an offensive coordinator type of mind um and everyone look everyone piles on jay and piles on dan for hiring jay but the fact is nobody wanted to come coach his team at that time and we settled with jay and that's what we had to go with and so i'm glad that it was it was kind of like a growing process as a fan base and as a team you know the kind of seeing the other side of the spectrum so where players are now starving for that hard-nosed uh tenacious practicing and just going after all the film that showing what jay did it really brings a lot of credence to them working hard this time because they don't want to go back to the losing way yeah 100 percent, mate i think you're uh, i think you're spot on i think under rivera i think i think we're going to surprise a lot of people i mean obviously we're going to get onto it near the end of the show i'm going to ask you guys for your win loss for every game we'll quickly go through the schedule but um you might be quite surprised with what i've put but it'd be interesting to see you um see what you guys have put um Moving on quickly, um, Terry McLaurin, do you think this season, Ian, I'll come to you first, do you think he's going to find this season coming up a little bit more harder now a lot more teams have got a lot of film on him and they'll know how to play him? I heard this on, uh, I think, something Julie Donaldson was doing the other day. She, uh, they were chatting about it. And I, you know, I hadn't kind of thought about it that way. Obviously, you know, uh, teams have like film on players. But do you think he'll be more scouted this season and find this season coming a lot harder than he did last one? Well, yeah, most definitely, because um, he's um, one of the best kept secrets in the NFL, probably, from from his season that he had last year, even though it was an appalling season. He was the shining light for us. And um, I think there's going to be a lot more defences out there um, really, really focusing on him and and looking what what he can do, because he's such a such a great talent and a unique talent in, in some ways that, um, you know, if he can have as good a season again for us um, this year, tied in um, with the with the rest of the uh, 
the offense. So you know, it's exciting times times ahead for us. So yeah, I, I think he will be um, um, targeted a lot more by, by the opposition now this season. Yeah, Carl, it comes, it comes back to earlier what you said, pressure. I reckon he'll thrive on this. I reckon he'll be like, do you know what? You can watch all the film you want of me. Imagine that, like you said earlier, imagine how much people used to watch Michael Jordan play and think, I can guard him. You've got no chance. He's the best ever basketball player to lace up a pair of uh, pair of boots. But you, it comes back to what you said, doesn't it? He's going to thrive on this, I think. Yeah, and it kind of there's multiple aspects to this because yeah, like the easy consensus is that you know defense is going to be keying in on him, but we also have to take into account that he had multiple quarterbacks throwing to him last year. He didn't play the last two uh, two games, so he had 14 games under his belt. So I, I do think that he could do better, and I think a lot of motivation comes to the fact that he was left off off the top 100. I think that was a a, a kind of a a bomb lighting inside of him where he's going to say, okay, I did all that with basically nothing. I mean, he was one of the only contributing guys last season, um, especially on the inept offense. But at the same time, you have to think about it with Jay's offense. It was much more pass oriented where it's, everything is coming off of dink and dunk passes, using them as like run plays, getting those small chunks to get first downs where in regards to Scott Turner, I think that they're going to be using a lot of motions. They're going to be uh, running the ball a whole lot and then using play action with, with Dwayne's uh, arm strength and Terry's route running deep field uh, combined with Antonio Ganey-Golden. So uh, there, it's so it's a hard thing to kind of depict, but I will not be one to downplay or to underrate Terry McLaurin because from what I, my, my whole nickname for him is Terry the uh, overachiever McLaurin. And every time that people think that he's not going to do something, he proves it just because of who he is as a man. So I, I won't sit here and say he's not going to. I, I think he will do better than he did last season. Yeah, Cole, do you think that Antonio Gandhi-Golden, do you think this coming season he could do what Terry done last season? He's a bit of an unknown quantity, you know what I mean? Of all the reports I'm hearing, everything, I listen to Team 980, I listen to pretty much and read pretty much everything that the you know, that the, I nearly said the Redskins there, the Washington team put out. Um, do you think that he could be the surprise package as well this season? Yeah, I act, I absolutely do. Um, we had a live show during uh, day three, I think it was, of the draft. And we were, I was cheering, just hoping that we were going to pick Antonio Gandy-Golden. Because when I broke down his film, I was absolutely in love. He's 6'4", 223 pounds, uh, long-armed, and... Not only is he a phenomenal catcher, he can catch contested balls high up in the air. He can create separation with his routes, and he's a smart guy, but he's also a phenomenal blocker. He's a big body, strong kid, and he uses good form blocking. And in the run game, that is absolutely huge for an offense. A lot of things can happen on the outside. That being said, combined with Dwayne Haskins' arm talent, I think that Antonio Gandy-Golden is going to have a great going to show out really well and he's going to outperform a bunch of those wide receivers that were selected in front of him I, i've said many times he has the mentality that he kind of reminds me of terry mclaurin that kind of guy where it's like i just love to play ball i'm ready to get to work and do whatever i can to help this team win uh, i think it's antonio ganey golden's job to lose at number two spot and judging by who he is what i've seen on film i think he is going to have a great year and there, there look there's a good possibility that the Washington football team could have 2,000-yard receivers in a run-heavy year. Yeah, I mean, I'm a hundred, I said this on the last podcast. For me, over the years, our team, whether it's been the quarterbacks we've had, Keaton, uh, Cousins, I think the check-down pass and the, the easy pass has always been a good option for us. Obviously, everyone expects us to run the ball a lot. That's just followed us through history. And let's be honest, you know, long before I started supporting uh, Washington, it got us to win Super Bowls. But sometimes I'm sitting in my couch and no doubt you guys are the same. And you're thinking, just go deep. You've only got to look to your right and look to your left. And you've literally got two express trains standing on either side of the field. And with Haskins, like you say, with Haskins' deep arm, let the ball go, man. Let it go. They're out, of, out of 10 plays, they're going to make eight, I'd say. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Uh, Antonio Guinea Golden can jump out of the gym. Uh, he is a big dude and he has great hands. Uh, really, really good deep downfield. And if 
you're talking about he's sitting at six four, and mm-hmm. most of these secondary members don't go over a six one, six two. And on top of his arm length, he's going to be a mismatch deep downfield. Even if he has a, uh, he's double covered with a safety in a corner, I would still throw it up to AGG and let him go get that ball because he's proven that he can do it. My whole thing is he went to Liberty, and so that is a smaller school, and the competition level uh, is not the same, but. In my opinion, I don't. I think he's going to transition with ease. It's going to be easy for not easy, but he's going to be able to do it well uh, because of his skill set and where he is mentally. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, we'll get like I say, we're going to get onto it when we go through the win loss record. But I think he's going to be such a big, big player for us. I'm just praying there's no injuries. We seem to be jinxed. I don't know what it is. Over the years, <laughs> we seem to be something seems to happen to us. Whether it's the day before the season, the week before the season, something always happens to us. But yeah, I'm it was the name. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> just, just blame it on being called the Redskins, yeah, 100%. right? Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, just to just, just to say something, sorry, as, as well on nah, um, on an AGG. Um, yeah, what a phenomenal talent he is, and the the fact that, as Carl just said, how high that he can leap and his reach. Um, yeah, just just get the ball to him, even if he's in you know d- double coverage. Get the ball down to him. Um, and it'll be especially um, especially good t- target because I think what I saw um, uh, last year, if the adrenaline was flowing a little bit with Haskins, the one thing he could do is th- throw a little bit high. But that's not going to matter if he's doing that towards AGG because he's still going to pluck it down anyway. Um, so I, I, I think he's an absolutely um, brilliant talent. And yeah, we, we, we could quite easily have 2,000-yard um, wide receivers on, on, a, on a running game next year. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned there, just thinking off the top of my head now, I mentioned there, obviously, about the deep ball. Hopefully, as the season goes on, teams are going to be so wary of the speed we've got and Haskins going downfield that when we do have to do the little check down passes, you know, we might need eight yards, nine yards, could be, you know, third and eight or whatever it is. The little check down pass might then work because defences are going to be like thinking, oh, my God, look, you know, we've got AGG here. You know, you know, we've got Scary Terry, you know, they're going to throw this deep and then boom, we just pop it off five yards, get the blockers in and we go and we get a first mm. down. As, as as a football team, they're the sort of things I want us to start to do more. You know what I mean? We were so easy to predict. Like I've always said, I'm a massive rep, uh, Washington fan. I'm not the most knowledgeable football fan in the world. Like obviously like Carl and all the friends across the pond who have grown up with, you've grown up with the game. You know what I mean? I've grown up with soccer. I could talk to you about that all day. But right. when I'm sitting on my couch with Jay Gruden, when Gruden was coaching near the end of his tenure, I could tell you where the ball was going to go. I could tell you that we, if we were going for it on, you know, third and third and eight, three and eight, you know what I mean? I could tell you what he was going to do. And I could tell you that we we're going to get blocked or we were going to punt the ball away. Now under Ron Rivera. And I think this playbook opens up. It just opens up a whole new, whole new world for us as a fan, as players. I think it gives us such a good avenue to go into the, uh, to the 2020 season. Yeah. And I, a lot of credit to Morgan Moses for saying this. When we had him on a couple months ago, he talked about how when, after Sean McVay left, it, their offense kind of turned one dimensional, meaning they mm-hmm. all they could do was throw the ball. Um, yeah. And look, I think, uh, I think Jay looked really good because of Sean McVay. And I think now, they're going to do a really good job of making sure that it's a balanced game. And then when you're talking about deep downfield and having those lower passes, those easy uh, check down passes being available, a lot of people think the tight end position is is completely bad. It's horrible. They I was listening to 106.7 today, and they rated it an E or a D minus, uh, the tight end group. But the thing is, I talked about it last night on the pod, you know, Greg Olson down in Carolina, it was not a barn burner. He wasn't a guy that would create separation. He was just a big, tall target that was a good blocker, and he could be able to catch a contested ball for those easy out routes to be able to pick up yardage. And that's where I see Logan Thomas filling in really well with this offense. So like you said, Burroughs, I think this offense is really, really set up to succeed this season. Yeah, 100%. I mean... I think I think we're gonna uh, I think we're gonna do good. I say this every year, so what do I know? But I think, <laughs> I think I said it last season, and we all know what happened there. But I think we're gonna do good things. Um, moving on to the other side of the ball and the defense side of the ball, Carl, how do you think we're gonna adjust to the new four-three setup? Obviously, moving away from the three-four, how do you think we're gonna adjust to that this season? It's gonna be a piece of cake. It, it's gonna feel it's gonna feel normal, and it's gonna be really 
really good. I think this is a very underrated team. This defense, honestly, uh, is set up for success. They don't they they have weaknesses, but it's not that many. And the the places where they are weak at, they have very good coaching. And you're talking about the linebacking core that I'm not going to say is is bad, but you know it's just, it's underrated. They're not very proven. They're at the linebacking core, and on top of having Jack Del Rio, who a former head coach and, uh, and defensive coordinator, and having Ron Rivera there uh, in the building is going to help them so much. And Sean Dion Hamilton was rated by Pro Football Focus as one of the best cover linebackers in the league last season. And when you transition to a 4-3, those linebackers have to cover a lot of space. And so a Sean Dion Hamilton is going to fill in perfectly fine there. And then on top of that, you have Cole Holcomb. Who I think ran a 4-4-4-5 at the combine coming out. He's a fast guy. I think he's going to transition to the 4-3 really well. And then on top of that, we got Kendall Fuller back. <laughs> yes. This is a this is a really really good team that's made up uh, in a very intelligent way. And uh, the biggest thing that I took away was Sam Mills saying that the defensive line, their mentality is going to be attacking and penetrating the defense. You know, with with Tom Sula and Minuski, it was almost like they were telling the guys to read the play and then react, you know, engage the defender, stand them up, uh, engage the lineman, stand them up and then read where the play is going, where Ron and, uh, and Jack Del Rio and Sam Mills are going to tell the guys, no, just go play with your hair on fire, get upfield, get towards a quarterback. You play your way to the quarterback. And uh, that being said, on top of having chase young and a, a rebuilt Montez sweat, and then the guys on the defensive line who are just studs, this, this defense is going to be top five in my opinion. Yeah, I think with a 4-3 as well, it gives you more one-on-one matchups, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I think we're going to get after players more. I think Santana Moss made a great point yesterday. He said the players are looking forward to this, you know, more one-on-one matchups. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to adjust to it better. <clears throat> I mean, also, what do you make, uh, Ian, what do you make to the uh, thing that Chase Young, they're saying he, they're going to line him up either side of the uh, on the defence, whether he's on the, you know, left or the right. They're going to they're gonna throw him all over the place just to throw other offenses off because they're going to be I reckon they're going to be so focused on him they're going to move him around that defensive line and uh, see how other teams approach it yeah and I, I think that's a, a great thing to do I don't know whether we should have perhaps said it <laughs> um, put it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they've already put it out there <laughs> yeah, cheers, guys. Um, but but yeah I think that's a, a great um, a great tactic to to deploy just just to move it around there and you certainly going into the the four three it gives you more option to do that to do that anyway um, and I think uh, going from your, your original point, m- moving um, to, to the four three, just puts m- more more players in the correct holes, if that makes sense, as, yes, as well yeah. as well as the one on one matchups. Um, and then with with the coaching, so Del Rio, etc. I, I just think we we're gonna um, our, our def- defense is gonna absolutely light up this season. Absolutely light up. Yeah, Carl, I mean, I've mentioned this, I think, on your first podcast that I've done on your show. What do you think Ryan Kerrigan's bringing to the table this season? I've been public. I've had many arguments with people like this, and I know you are, you're a big, big Kerrigan fan. Every time someone mentioned his name to me last season and it caused a lot of arguments, I was like, oh, I, I, I thought he retired. I didn't, you know, I, I thought he hid a lot last season. I was like, where is this guy? You know what I mean? He's been amazing up until now. For me, last season, he didn't do it. Whether that was coaching, whether that was the scheme we were running, whether he, you know, some sometimes you just have a bad season. You know, you see it throughout from football. What are you expecting from him this coming season? Um, I, I think he's going to be, what they're going to basically do on that defensive line is they're going to have it like a revolver um, and just being able to exchange guys in and out whenever they want. If they see a guy getting tired, they're going to exchange Ryan Kerrigan in for Chase Young or Matez Sweat. Um, but predominantly, he should be in that kind of third down based uh, multiple package there where, you know, if it's a long third down, what you can do is you can take um, Jonathan Allen out and you can put in Ryan Kerrigan to rush up the middle. You can have those stand up linebackers and imagine offensive line having to block Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, Matt Ioannidis and Chase Young, <laughs> even though they have a man advantage, you know, those guys can three, four of those five guys, three of those five, four guys can beat one-on-one matchups easily. And so this team is really built for success. And Ryan Kerrigan, I think, is going to do well. Um, I think he is easily going to get that record. I think the coaching staff really wants that for him. They're going to allow him those chances. And, look, I've been a Kerrigan fan because he kind of reminds me as a player where, you know, I wasn't as physically gifted as everyone else, but, you know, I was a smart player. 
I put myself in positions. I used good technique and good form, and I tried my butt off. And that's always what Ryan Kerrigan has done, so I can't kill the guy for it, but he's not like Von Miller. He's not like Chase Young. He's not, he's not a, a, a havoc. Uh, going across, going around def- uh, offensive linemen and tackles and stuff. You know, he's more of a worker. You know, when the play breaks down, that's where he gets sacks. And uh, having like a long third downs and situations like that, that's where I see Ryan Kerrigan filling in this season. Yeah, I mean, you touched on Montez Sweat there. Did you guys see the images of him today? Oh my God, that guy's massive. Yeah, and like, I, I mean, what sorry, has he sorry. what has he been doing during off season? The, I've said it many times. Most of these, they're all they're all bigger than me. But this guy's left arm is bigger than my entire body. He is huge. Yeah, all that weight left Dwayne Haskins and went to uh, Montez. <laughs> and Morgan Moses, yeah. Yeah, Morgan. <laughs> uh, um, he, he looks, well, he's been working out, hasn't he? He's been, he's yeah. been, he's been doing some weights, but he, that should make him a far more effective um, weapon in that, in that D-line now. He just looks totally built for it, doesn't he? Um, he I'd, I just thought he, he looked fantastic. I didn't recognize it as being him at, at first. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to um, have a, have a great, great, great season. Mixing and matching that D line, just going on from what, what Kyle was saying. And um, with regards to, to Kerrigan, well, you know, you know, he's my, my favorite player. His, his shirt's hanging up behind me at the moment. I, I just think he was overplayed the last couple of seasons. Um, yeah. led, led to a couple of nig- niggly injuries um, mm. And and I think that all, all of that just just impacted on on his performance, but and possibly with with the coaching on on top of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think he was overplayed. And if he fits into the system now, like he looks like he's going to, where he's going to interchange with the others, I I, I just think, and, and I, I think I said it on your podcast, Kyle, um, that I think he's actually going to be the breakout player this season because nobody's mm. expecting him to do anything really because they're they're all um, outside of the club. They're they're all almost forgetting about him because because of Chase Young. Do you think that's the same case for Adrian Peterson, Carl, then, this season? Do you know what I mean? He's kind of coming near the end of his career now. We all know what he can do, but do you think that, um, that people might take their eye off him a little bit? And, you know, I reckon he'll be... He'll. Be, I still think... Uh, I hope, I hope Geis is fit. Uh, we'll have to see who else. We've also got Bryce Love, who I'm very keen to see play. But do you think people might take their eye off AP? And I still think, come come the business end, when we need something, he's going to be the man in the lineup. Yeah, and he has shown that over the past two seasons um, that he is a lot better than what people give him credit for still. Um, and I, this season, I see him being, you know, in Carolina, they've always had bigger backs. You know, it wasn't until Christian McCaffrey that they actually had a small, shifty guy. They usually like that power running game. That's why I think Darius Geis and AP fit that system, that downhill running, you know, that power game. Uh, and I think that's where he would fit in. And those short yardage situations, goal line situations, you know, uh, I think that's where AP fills in a lot. So I think he could be the touchdown receiver for a bunch of those running plays. And then the passing game going more towards, you know, your JD McKissick's, your, uh, your um, uh, Bryce Loves and, uh, and Antonio Gibson's. Yeah, I just think, you know, I mean, and I'm hoping we're kind of in the situation come December, January, when I'm hoping we're making a run to get a wild card playoff, whatever we're getting. I still think even at his tender, at at the age he is now, I still think come if we're down near that goal line of we're in and about the end zone. I still think out of all the players, we've got guys, we've got bright stuff. I still think AP will be the man to throw in. If you want to get it done, give him the ball. Exactly. And when we talked about the Michael Jordan mentality of practice and everything, you know, that's where I feel about AP. You know, when you put AP in that situation, he's not going to cower. He's going to take full advantage of the opportunity that's in front of him. I think you're 100% right, Burroughs. Very quick. Sorry, sorry, go on, go on. Now go on, mate. Just just on AP, I think as well, going on on all of that, just to back it up, if you like, he's 35 years old and I'd say he's the fittest member of the squad. Um, (laughs) Have you seen how fast he can still run? It's unbelievable. Um, so, um, so yeah, I agree with everything that, that you say. And yeah, if you need to get, um, a couple of yards on, on a third down, he, he's the man to throw into the situation. Definitely. Yeah. hundred percent. Carl, very quickly, you mentioned it there a few times. Who's better, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? 
Oh, it's Michael Jordan, in my opinion. Thank um, with God. Do you know how many yeah. arguments I've had over this? And look, and like the, the <laughs> thing is, like when 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 you when you say that, people immediately think that you're like a LeBron hater, which is the complete opposite. When yeah. when LeBron when LeBron left Cleveland, I completely understood why he did it. You know, I was one of those people that was defending him. But the the issue that I have is when people start, you know, putting him up next to MJ. And look, MJ said it himself. It, it's kind of messed up to have that argument because you know it's two different time periods, it's different, different areas, players. Yeah. You can't you can't really equate the two. So uh, as much as respect I have for LeBron James uh, on the court and off the court, um, I, I just as a basketball player, I, I still have Michael Jordan being the number one. If there wasn't for Michael Jordan, I don't think LeBron would be who he is today. Hundred percent. Yeah, you'd not believe. I'm a, obviously I'm a big basketball fan, but yeah, the amount of bar. Sorry to just go off on a basketball tangent, but yeah, I get into <laughs> and it's kind of a good argument. To have. I love LeBron James. I think he's a great player, but he couldn't lace Michael Jordan's there. Jordan's boots right guys coming on to the schedule what I want us to do I want us to go through the schedule I want us to say win loss I want you to keep this and obviously we we will keep in touch anyway we've become quite you know obviously I know Ian and Carl you've become you know good friend of mine we're going to be in touch throughout the season and come uh, the end of the season keep this bit of paper that we're about to write down now we'll go through win loss record uh, every single game and I'm just interested to see what you guys think I've done mine already so uh We'll start with you, Ian. Have you got the schedule there? Do you need? I can go through it if you want. So we got Philadelphia. No, at, Philadelphia I'll, I'll, at home, first game, win or loss, my friend. Win. Good man, Carl. Philadelphia at home, win or loss. Win, baby. Win, maybe. Oh no, win, baby. So oh, right. baby. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. You can call me baby. <laughs> call me whatever you want, Carl. <laughs> uh, Ian Cardinals, second up, win or loss. Loss, I'm afraid. Oh, loss for Ian. Carl, what are you saying? It, it looks like Ian is, is copying my paper. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I, I think that's a loss as well with Arizona. Okay, then we have the Browns at FedEx. Ian, what are you saying? You're not telling us what you're doing. Uh, I can tell you I went 10 and 6. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, that's why I thought, you know, if I put mine in, everyone would be like, oh, Jesus, Burroughs has been uh, smoking or drinking <laughs> again. But <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, I've gone 10 and 6 for us. So, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always like, I said this last season and we all know what happened. Um, the Browns at home then, Ian, what are you thinking? Win. Win. Kyle? I feel the same exact way. Wins. Ken Zampis is the QB, was the QB coach of Baker Mayfield in 2018. They know how he works. I think they're going to win that game. Yes. Ravens, FedEx. What are we saying, Ian? Loss. Oh, loss. Carl? I think it's going to be an absolute great game. Awesome game. We're going to see two juggernauts biting it, battling it out, but I think the Ravens narrowly beat them. Okay. So, are you two sitting Have you flown over here, Carl, and not told me? That's what I'm saying. Are, are it's you, copying are, my paper. Are you in my country right now? It's just like, you haven't bothered to tell me. No, I'm in, I'm in DC. I'm not oh, yeah, don't, don't. I'm in DC. Don't tell me that. You broke my heart. Um, <laughs> uh, we move on then. To, we've got three home games in a row here, actually. The Rams at home. What are we saying, Ian? Win. Good man, Carl? Same with me. I think that's a win. Wow. Okay. Then, it's, then it gets a bit interesting. I'm being interested to briefly get your guys' thoughts on this. Two back-to-back uh, divisional games. We have the Giants and the Cowboys. How do you think that? Uh, how do you think they'll play out? We've been having back-to-back divisional games. Um, well, I've got um, a win at New York. Okay. And a win against Dallas. Wow. Okay. Carl, what are you thinking? Back-to-back divisional games. Uh, I I think that they win against the Giants, and I think they lose against the Cowboys in Week Seven. I believe that's an away game for the Cowboys. Yeah, we are away to New York, and we are. I think we're at home to the Cowboys first, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the, we're, yeah. yeah, we're at home to the yeah we're at home to the uh, Cowboys. We always play them terribly um, in FedEx, so I think it's that is a loss for Week Seven. Okay, so go, then we go into the bye week. Uh, then we uh, we have the Giants at home. What are you saying, Ian? Win. Win. Ian's getting us to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Carl, I have Carl? I have to agree with Ian. I swear you two have spoke before this podcast. I know. That's <laughs> <laughs> then we have the Lions. Um, I've got this down as a loss. To the Lions? Mm-hmm. Okay. Carl? Uh, I think that's a win. They lo- Losing Darius yeah. Slay was big. Massive. I've got it down as a Yeah, that's one of my uh, six... Then the uh, the Bengals at home. It can't finish in a tie again. Last time I saw the, us play the Bengals, it, it ended in a 
It ended in a it ended in a tie. What what do you think there, Ian? Oh, win. Okay, hope you guys are writing these down as well. Uh, as as long as as long as Matt Jones doesn't get picked up before the season, I think that that is going to be a win. Two wins there. Okay, Cowboys away, Ian. On Thanksgiving, we... Thanksgiving, isn't it? Cowboys it is. away. Yes. Yeah, bear in mind we... that. That's they Kyle. Have they already announced the TV games over there? I'm, I was assuming that that must be on TV, but haven't they already been announced? Yeah, uh, uh, from what I've seen, yes. I think all, the uh, watch football team they all they have is like one o'clock games, uh, ex- uh, one o'clock and four o'clock games, except for that Thanksgiving day. So, it, it, but that's not on broadcast to the whole country, is it? Uh, in, uh, on our ske- on the schedule, isn't it? Just obviously, you'll get it on your local TV. But that astonished me a bit that like that game Redskins Washington Cowboys is not broadcast to the whole country. It, it should be on Thanksgiving. It should. It, it'll be considered prime time. Okay. Oh well, we are, well we all know how we do on prime time. So uh, I'd be interested <laughs> to uh, what you uh, what are you thinking, Carl? Uh, I think that's a win. They, uh, the Washington football team always plays well in Dallas. I, I think they win that game. Okay, Ian. I think they win and they win big. Wow, mm. there's a lot of people going to be listening to this thinking us three are on drugs. <laughs> Steelers, we're coming near to the kind of getting near the end of the season now. We've got the Steelers on the road. We have some road games coming up now. We've got the Steelers on the road. What do we think there, gentlemen? Um, I've got that down as a loss. Loss, okay. That's same with me. This, I think the Steelers are one of the most underrated teams this year. Do you think Big Ben plays much this season now with the injuries that he's been picking up and everything, Carl? Yeah, I got a couple. Uh, I have another show that I do during the NFL season called the Sports Drunkies, and there's a whole, whole group of us of different fans, and there's two Steelers fans on there who uh, I hate the Steelers because of them, but I, I give respect to the fact that Big Ben, I've always said I always equate a, a good quarterback to being able to make wide receivers out of nothing, and you think of Antonio Brown, you think of you know the Heinz Ward, Plaxico Burris. Whenever they reload the chamber, Big Ben continues to keep firing with these guys. Um, I think they're going to do really well, and their defense stepped up huge last season. So I think they're they, they're a very very good team. Yeah, sports drunkies, did you say? You get me on a Friday night, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm always very drunky on a Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> um, San Francisco on the road. Then we go from the Steelers to San Francisco. Ian, what do you think, mate? Uh, another loss, I'm afraid. Okay, the losses are piling up now, Carl. Uh, same with me. I think that's a loss. Okay. Then we go to the uh, Seahawks at FedEx. Um, yeah, I've got that as a loss as well, I'm afraid. Three on the spin. Okay. Okay. Carl? As much as I hate the Seahawks and how much playoff depression they've given me over my Washington fandom, I still think they, uh, the Washington football team loses that game. Wow. Panthers at home. Last two games now we're on. Panthers at FedEx. What are we thinking? Um, I think we finish the... DC season before the playoffs, obviously, uh, with a win. Win. I agree. Win and win. And then we finish Philly on the road. Oh, loss. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a win for me. The, uh, the watch football team always plays Philly really well up in Philly. Unless it's, do you remember what about last season at halftime? I was absolutely thinking, this is it. I'm going to be right. This is the season that we surprise yep. everyone. And then I don't know what happened to us at halftime. Which do you, know, that, do you find that that was the story of the season? We always played well for one half of football, and then the other half we were just terrible. Yeah, that, like that first game was kind of like an indication of what the season was going to be like, and it was just you know lifting you up and then just dropping us off a skyscraper is what it felt like. Yeah, exactly. So what did you guys? If you quickly count up your win loss, this uh, we can quickly go through what you guys think. Obviously, I've put. 10 and 6, I've got us down. Uh, my games were pretty similar to you. I I think, I, yeah, I had the same losses. Steelers, San Fran. That road trip, that middle road trip there, Steelers, San Fran, Seahawks, is going to be so hard for us, don't you think? Yeah, I think 10 and 6 is correct. And I think that's a, a really, really good place for Ron Rivera to start with. You know, I've said it on my pod. You know, I don't care if anyone judges me for this. I think the Washington football team has a good chance to win the Super Bowl this season. And the reason why I believe that is because two of their two of their Super Bowls came in seasons that were abbreviated, that were kind of you're not your typical season strike years. And they kind of find a way to win in these really weird circumstances and gear based on what the defense is built like right now with how good they are defensively. 
uh, and offense just being able to say, hey, Dwayne, don't throw the game away. Just do your best Alex Smith impression while hitting the guys downfield. I think this team could win the Super Bowl and punch a lot of people in the mouth this season. Oh, my God, just the thought of us being in the Super Bowl. Bro, I, I've said this a million times. If we get to the Super Bowl, I probably speak for Ian as well. We're on a plane. I don't care whether we get tickets for the game. I don't care whether we're in a bar somewhere. We will be stateside with you guys watching that game 100%. Oh, oh yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. I'm not sitting in my front room at 6 o'clock in the morning going to work drunk watching uh, after watching <laughs> that. But, Ian, what did, you have, what did you have as record then for the season? Um, I've, um, I've got nine and seven. Nine and seven, right? Let me write that down. Carl, what did you end up with? With ten and six. Ten and six as well. Okay, I'm going to keep these, and obviously we will chat again. Come the end, well, we'll speak a lot more between now and the uh, the uh, end of the season, and uh, we'll see what happens. But guys, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Carl. As always, you know we're massive fans of you guys over here. I was even speaking to two Redskins fans, oh bloody Washington fans today. We need a nickname. Can someone please just tweet me? Everyone's got my Twitter. I think of a nickname. I can't keep calling us Washington. It's driving me mad. Um, I was speaking to some guys over here today who hadn't heard about your podcast, so I sent them the link. They're part of the Facebook um, Washington UK group. They were asking about new podcasts. I put them onto your one. They said they listened to last night's show already they loved it carl keep up the great work that you do honestly you uh your content is amazing i know you don't like us saying it to it but we you know we all look up to what you guys do you inspired me to do this this is why i'm sitting here now after coming on your show i was like do you know what i'm doing it so uh, thanks for coming on my friend oh, of course and thank you for having me on it's always great to talk to you guys um you you do a phenomenal job and like i've said multiple times for somebody that has just started a podcast, you are moving at light speed, moving a lot faster than we did when we first started. And I don't think we're leading anything. You know, I, I always say I think the Redskins, uh, the Washington <laughs> the Washington fan base is just so special. Uh, it's a different kind of passion. And um, and the fan base needs a lot of credit because all of the podcasts and all the, the stuff that's being generated by them is really, really great content. Uh, thanks, man. That's I uh, really appreciate it. Conway. Ian, this is your first time on the actual podcast. You've done a few lives with me. Thanks so much for coming on, buddy. And if I look out my window, I can pretty much see the back of your house. So <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll. Uh, I'll probably be seeing you on the golf course in the in the next week or so. But thanks for coming on, mate. Oh yeah, I look forward to it. And uh, and thanks for thanks for inviting us on. And yeah, just to echo um, what Andy said, Kyle. Um, love listening and and watching your shows twice a week. And and like I messaged you, like player breakdowns you do. Uh, phenomenal and just give somebody like me who hasn't got a great knowledge of the college game just a, that extra bit of insight so um so i know it's a lot of work for you but it's it's really appreciated what you do oh i, I really appreciate that uh, i really appreciate that ian because you know, there is a lot of work that goes into it uh, to be honest with you but i, I just love breaking down football and uh it, and the fact that I, you know I, I said it when i first started if, if anybody likes it you know it's a it's a success in my eyes because i you know i love doing it yeah, I'm definitely learning a lot from you. I watch them all the time. Like I say, I've got a good knowledge of football, but I watch them breakdowns and like just to learn. I and mean, like I say, I'm only just recently this season about to get into college football. Obviously, uh, you know, you know, might not just you might not agree with the team I chose on my Twitter poll. <laughs> but um, just really quickly, Carl, why is college football so big in the states? Uh, because it's kind of a a party atmosphere. Um, it's more. I, what's the best way to put it? Well, with pro with pro sports, you know, it's more towards the major cities. Where with college football, you know, it, Blacksburg, Virginia. Uh, my my step grandfather played and coached for Virginia Tech, and that's why I'm a huge fan for them. I mean, when you go into Blacksburg, there is no other sports team you hear about. It is Virginia Tech Hokies. It's the football team. That's all you hear about. And so the reason why college is so big is because some of those states that don't have those big cities but have a huge clamoring for football, they have a team that they can cling to. And that's how a, the college football really just gels the entire country together. Do you have people over there? Obviously, I'm, I might be completely wrong here. Do you have people over there that just watch the college game because they're not interested in the NFL? Yeah, but it's very minuscule. Okay. Um, and, okay. And, and if they do, it's more for like political reasons, more more so recently than anything. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, like you say, we get um we got all the college, and I've just found out they take Saturday evenings. Like it's perfect for me. Saturday evenings, few beers, bit of football. Um, I'm looking forward to. It. But Carl, thanks so much, Ian. Thanks so much, and I'll catch up with you guys soon. I appreciate. Really, thank you for having me on again. Thanks, Cheers, guys. Andy. Talk to you soon. Bye, Ian. <laughs>